Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Well, praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord one more big hand clap of praise. Amen. What a wonderful ministry that this is. Amen. I tell you, there's a lot going on. I got to set my clock here because... I will preach all day long. Hallelujah. Amen. There's a lot going on here at this church. Amen. Victory World Outreach. We're just so full of events. And uh, we're not a program church, if you've noticed by now. Amen. We don't just uh, program you, but we preach the gospel. Amen. But all around us today, I just want us to appreciate for just a moment all that goes on around us in this building today. There's Sunday school workers in the back. There's nursery workers. There's leaders all over the place, ushers that are just, you know, orchestrating Everything that needs to, to go on to have a great service for the, for the Spirit of the Lord to move in this place, amen. And I'm grateful for it. Let's just give them all a good big hand and clap of praise, amen, for all the time they put in. And maybe you're sitting down today here and you're able to listen to the sermon, but maybe you're one of those that's at times you're back there serving and loving our children and just, just being an example for what God is doing here. We really appreciate you, amen. Uh, I know for a fact that this Next Step class is life-changing, amen? And I want to encourage you, um, as, as, as Rowdy and Kendra both said, that to be a part of this. Today is the graduation class and the, the beginning, the start of a brand new class, amen? And so I want to encourage you uh, to get locked in, to get involved in that, and let's see what God will do. It's, it's to help you understand who we are as a church, but at the same time to allow us to know who you are, amen, get to know you a little better so that we can work with you in the kingdom of God. Amen? Populate heaven and plunder hell. Glory to God. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, let's be praying for Dwayne and Myra there this morning there in uh, South Dallas, preaching for Pastor John and Ceci. They are in Costa Rica with our missions trip team that went down there uh, with Pastor. So let's continue to pray for them. They're, some of them are coming home tomorrow. Some, some are coming home at different days. But <coughs> let's just be praying for them, for God to continue to move as they're preaching the gospel there. I know right now Pastor Blake is ministering the gospel in uh, Ciudad Colon, and I, I don't know if there's someone in Pavas this morning, but I'm sure there is. Uh, we've got lots of disciples there to minister the gospel, amen? You're here this morning. Are you, are you awake? I want to ask you that. Are you awake this morning? Are you alive? Pinch yourself, and if you don't know if the guy next to you is awake, just pinch him right there. Hallelujah, amen? No, I'm just kidding. Don't, 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 uh, do something you might regret later. Hallelujah. I want to minister for just a few moments, and I titled this message, Who is in the driver's seat of your life? Amen. Who is in the driver's seat of your life? Let's read in the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 27 through 38. If you have your Bibles, open that up. If not, we have it on the board here. But Mark, chapter 8, verse 27 says, Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea and Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should not tell, should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chiefs, chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. 
He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Verse 33 says, But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will... Am I in the wrong thing there? That's verse 36. Did I read this already? Uh-oh, we twisted up here. Where am I at? I'll start right there. Let's go to 37. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Verse 38. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, for this service today, God, we get to come into your presence, Lord, and receive your word today, Lord. I pray that you use me as an instrument of the Holy Spirit, God, a vessel, an oracle of you, Lord, to bring your word that you put on my heart today, Father. Bless us today. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in that particular passage of scripture, you've seen how how we we just kind of got twisted up on that, and, and things happen like that all the time, but, you know, I got to thinking as I was preparing, I woke up early this morning, and I had already prepared my sermon, I had everything printed out, I had it sitting there, and I got looking at it, and I, and I noticed that on my sermon, everywhere I put the scripture into my sermon, I typed the scripture completely out, it blotted it, it, it put every single line on top of each other. And thank God I put it in, in, in red letters, the Bible always in my sermons when I type them, and it was in red letter, but it was all on top of each other. So I could not even understand where the scripture was. I didn't even know what book that I had put in there to, to, to preach. And then, you know, when you're stubborn like me, you don't even push save in the computer to save the, the, the message, you know, and you save it in your whatever you call those things, uh, ar- archives or whatever you call it, Amen. And so I didn't save it, and here I am sitting there, and I'm thinking, what in the world am I going to do? And I thought about this, and I thought, you know, when we're sinners, uh, you know, and we come to Jesus, he says, I will blot out the sins in your life. And I got to thinking about that. It's amazing because, you know, those words are all blotted out in my sermon. And still, if you come look at it, you'll see that it's all blotted out. I can't even see it. And it's not that God doesn't want us to see it in, in the scripture form, but in our lives, he saves us from our sin, and he delivers us from all the things that we've been through in our life. If we're humble enough to where we can call upon the name of the Lord and say, God, forgive me of my sins, it's that simple, it's that easy, he comes into your life and begins to transform you. We don't say, oh my goodness, you, you look like a sinner, get out of here. You, 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 don't, you don't fit the part as a Christian, you need to go. No, that's not how we are. We take you as you are, amen, and we let God do the changing in your life. There's no way that I could go up to you and say, you need to do this. You need to pluck out your eyes. You need to have brown eyes. You you need this. You need that. Spike your hair up a little bit. None of that is so true. We need to understand that God takes us as who we are. 
He begins to change us. He begins to mold us. He begins to use us in, in the way he has us. And many times we need to understand that now I have to take my hands off of the steering wheel and I have to let God be in control of my life. You say, when am I ever going to change? When am I going to go from being this unreal cuss, uh, this grouchy old geezer? When, when am I going to go from that to being uh, the person that God wants me to be? You say, do I have to be perfect to be saved? No, you'll never be perfect to be saved. When you're saved, uh, you fight uh, through the trials of life. Uh, you, you try as hard as you can to overcome the things that are, that are pulling you down and dragging you down. I wanted to ask, you know, what are some of the things that you just couldn't wait to do as a young person growing up in your life? And I got to thinking about it. Uh, I had a lot of things that I wanted to do my, in my, on my own, and it, it just so happened to be that most of the things that I wanted to do on my own are things that people that I respected, like my mother, my father, or my grandfather, those are the things they told me not to do. Isn't that amazing how we always want to do what we shouldn't do, Amen. We always want to go above and beyond when they say, don't do this, you go and do that. That's why we don't use the S word with little kids because then they go around repeating the S word because you told them not to say it, amen? That's S-T-U-P-I-D, that word, okay? So when I was young, I wanted to ride the riding lawnmower at Pastor Jones's house. Amen? And I'm going to tell you the truth. My brother-in-law, he changed my name, Pastor Paul Jones, he changed my name to Manuel. And when he would call me on my phone, he would ask for manual. And when I knew he was asking for manual, I knew he was looking for manual labor. He would call me on the phone. He would say, hello, is manual there? And he knows my voice. He knows it's me. He said, but is manual there? I said, yeah, manual's here. How can I help you? And I'll tell you why. Because I wanted to ride that lawnmower. And I knew when Pastor Paul called me, when he called manual, it was because he didn't want to do a chore that his mother had given him. Now, I was smart enough to understand that his mother paid him to cut the grass. It was a big yard, a lot of grass. But, you know, usually in the past when I had to help him, it was me on the little push mower or me on the weed whacker or me on the rake and bagging things up and cleaning up the mess. But he always rode the lawnmower, but I always wanted to do it. And so he would call me and he would say, yeah, I need help over here. And I understood. I was smart enough to know that if I helped him do the job, that I was going to get paid. I understand I'm not getting the full amount. Pastor Paul's been an entrepreneur all his life. He made money off of me when I was a young boy, man. I know he had a plan to make money, and the plan was, I'm going to make money, and you're going to come over here and mow the grass, and I'll pay you a little bit of money. And I was okay with that because I was smart enough, like I said, to know that I was going to make some money off of it, amen. I wanted to go down the big hill at my grandpa's house on the go-kart, my grandpa told me we went to visit him in Indiana. We were down in West Lafayette, Indiana. There's some Indiana folks in the house here today, man. Hallelujah. But my grandfather said, do not get on the go-kart and do not come down that hill on this go-kart because you'll get hurt. Well, down inside of me, I said, well, I really want to do this. I've got control of my life. I'm, I'm, the, I'm in charge of the decisions that I make. So guess what I did? I did like about 99.9% .9 of you would do. You went out and you, you got on the go-kart at the top of the hill, but I forgot the fact that he said there was no brakes. And I forgot the fact that he said there's only one thing that's going to stop you before the traffic at the end of the road runs you over, and that's my house. 
And sure enough, I got on that go-kart, and I came screaming down that hill, and it was a forest. It's beautiful land. I'm talking, he lived on the Indiana State Veterans Home property, and this house was absolutely gorgeous. The backyard was just beautiful. It was a forest. And how did I not hit those trees coming down that way? I don't understand it, but guess what? Exactly what he prophesied would happen is exactly what happened. I came flying down that hill, realized that there are no brakes on this go-kart, and I met his house in person, really close. I also wanted to climb that tall tree that my dad said, don't ever climb. I forgot the fact that he said there was a period of time in this month to this month that the trees were wetter and they were more flexible. And he said you could, when he was a kid, I remember him telling me stories. I would go up these trees. Uh, he said I would climb to the very top of this tree, and it's a real skinny tree. But the thing was is if you grabbed, you get to the top of the tree, and you grab it, and you throw yourself back, you could literally follow, fall all the way down to the ground without that tree snapping, and you're still holding on to it. And I just heard the story, and I think, man, you know what? They've said I'm a monkey all my life. I might as well just go out and try it. You know, you only live once. You know, I'm telling myself I can do this. And so I go out there, everybody's inside eating dinner, they're looking for me, and thank God they were looking for me because they came out to find me hanging about 75 feet in the air off of this tree that would not bend to the ground. The problem is, is when the tree bends, you're stuck, you can't just get back up. You, if, if you didn't fall to the ground, uh, you've got to find a new way to get yourself back up the tree and down that tree. You've got to climb down it all of a sudden. Listen, I tried to do things my way. Was nobody going to tell me how to live my life? Because I had all the answers. And it's crazy. You're 10, 12, 15 years old thinking that you're in charge of your own life. And you make the decisions in your life, uh, not realizing that these decisions will destroy you forever. I remember my cousin, his name is Andy Munoz. Andy is blind since birth. And Andy used to always tell us things like, man, he said, just pull over, let me drive. I'll get us there safely. Andy used to say stuff like, you know what, just give me the wheel and I'll get us where we need to go. Don't you worry about it. So one day we're driving down this road and smart aleck Andy, he says to me, thank God he saved the day, man. But God, Andy says to me, he says, you know what, pull over, let me drive. I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I slammed on the brakes. I turned that truck off. I got out, ran to the other side, and Andy scooted over to the driver's seat. And I'm telling you what, the first thing I did, I put my seatbelt on without even being told. I got that seatbelt on, I put it on there, and Andy started that 65 Dodge pickup truck, three-speed on the column. I'm telling you what, he popped that thing into gear, and I'm telling you what, he hit that gas like we've never hit it before. We went roaring through this dirt road, and we were at this place called The Funnel. It was a place where people would go and hang out, and they would start big bonfires, and we went up to this place, but I knew it was a safe place to let him drive. But I forgot to tell him at the end of the road, we hit this big hill, and we go up over down into this funnel. I'm telling you something. It was the best day of my life. Amen? Andy got to drive. And I can't ever say to Andy, no, you can't drive. Oh, no, Fabian, it's not possible. You can't do it because he's already proven that he can do it. And he drove. I said, go left, go right, go left, go right, go left, go right. And we were just wobbling, just be weaving and bobbing all through the entire road. But it was the funnest time of our lives. Amen? But we were in control of our own life. You see, God has a very different plan for you and I in our lives today. Amen? 
I could not wait to sit in the driver's seat. We cannot wait to, to sit in the driver's seat to make our own decisions. There's something about being in the driver's seat of life. You're in control. You decide where you go. You decide how fast you're going. You, de you decide when you leave, what time it is. And that's kind of how you and I like our lives to be, isn't it? We want to be in control. We like to be because uh, in the driver's seat because the one in the driver's seat has control and there's nobody in the world going to tell you any different. Hallelujah, amen. Or am I just different? I mean, I know you guys all live a perfect life and, you know, my hands are on the wheel and I'm trusting God at the same time. But, you know, I think that every single one of us in this place today, we like to be in control of our lives. We like to know that things are going to go well in our life. But at the same time, God wants us to realize that if we do not release our hands from the will, then he cannot do what he wants to do in our life. Amen? See, in our opening scripture, Jesus, he's now gathered his disciples together, and he's bringing them to this place to him to be close with him. And one reason Jesus went to this region was to reveal that reveal his coming and his death, and he wanted to reveal this to them, give the details that surrounded this event that was about to happen. And we know that Peter's there, and in this moment, uh, probably the rest of the disciples were there struggling with this news as well, uh, knowing that Jesus is about to go to a different place, about to surrender his life, about, you know, he's telling the story about he's going to be re re uh, resurrected three days later. And one, uh, one, uh, they did not want Jesus to be taken from them by death. We can understand it, your loved ones. You don't want, you know, something to happen to somebody and unexpectedly, boom, all of a sudden you get news that now they're getting ready to go and, and they're not here any longer. You ever had a grandparent that's just gone on to be with Jesus and they call you on the phone and say, it's time, I'm going to be with the Lord. Just recently in this church, we've had people that called us right from their deathbed and they said, you know, the doctors are giving me 10 minutes to live and I just wanted to call you and hear your voice just one more time. Had a lady call us just not too long ago, and she says, I need to talk to your wife. Can you please have her call me? I need to talk to her. It's important that I tell her my last words. I want her to know. But, you know, that is so hard for us to know. We can understand what these disciples are going through in this very moment. They're, they're hearing something that they do not want to hear. It's bad news to them, even though it's bad news that is good news. Uh, but to them, they're about to lose something that is so dear to their heart. In fact... Their human nature rebelled against that news. As we read in the scripture, Peter even tried to rebuke Jesus. So what does Jesus do? Jesus used this as a teaching time to his disciples. He brings them together, begins to teach them, and he's teaching them. And you and I today in this very moment, he's teaching us the importance or the foundational pr uh, principle of living in the kingdom of God. And, you know, why are we here? We're here to follow Jesus. We're here to follow his example. We're here to, to be his hands, to be his feet. And these are the instructions that Jesus is giving them. Listen to what he says. First, he says, Jesus has to be uh, in the driver's seat of your life. That's what he's telling them. I've got to be number one in your life. He's saying to us today, if you don't let me be number one in your life, number two will send you to hell. Amen? That's why I tell people even in business, I tell, this is a great motto to have, but I tell people in business, I said, I strive, I mean, I, I strive for second place always. You say, well, why don't you want to be number one? I'll tell you why, because number two is always striving to be number one. When you get to the top, you're at the top. Where else can you go? 
when you have the mentality, I've already made it to the top. I've got everything that I need. I don't need anything else. Then what else is there to live for in life? So I live by that principle. I want to be in second place because second place is always striving to be number one. Even in second place, you can still be the victor. You can still be the champion in a race. But if you're striving and if you're in that second place where you say, I can always do better, I can always do more, it, it, it vexes me in my spirit to hear people in church say, I, I'm just overworked, I'm overwhelmed, I'm just too busy, I, I can't handle it. Listen, we can't afford not to be in the kingdom of God, amen? We cannot afford not to be working. Imagine when Jesus comes back and we're like those disciples that were sent off to pray. They fell asleep. Imagine Jesus coming back in, in this very moment and he creeps in those front doors and he walks down the front of this altar and we're all asleep in this place. Because I guarantee you if we were awake and somebody looked out there and saw Jesus coming in, I'm telling you what, we'd be screaming like crazy. We'd be going nuts. It'd be an exciting thing. We'd be encouraged to know this, amen? But the Bible says in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, it says, when he had called the people to himself, with his disciples also, he said to them, Whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and let him follow me. Praise God. See, Jesus doesn't take the back seat to anything in life. We need to know that before we even get ourselves into a place of trouble. He does not take a back seat to anything. He will not take his hands off of your life unless you tell him to. He doesn't even take shotgun. He don't want to be in the passenger seat. Amen? He just demands to be in the driver's seat of your life. Remember hearing the story years ago. It was a story about a man that kept getting a knock at his door early in the morning. And this man is, someone's beating at his door. He opens the door up, and it's the devil, and the devil just beats the tar out of him. Slams the door on the devil after getting beat up. And, man, a few nights of this go on, about a week of it. You know, you can hardly take more than a week of getting beat up by something. And finally, Jesus comes and knocks on his door, and he says, Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. I am so glad that you came to visit me. He said, I have been getting tormented. The devil has been showing up at my house. Uh, he's been coming every single night for a week. Uh, and I am so glad you're here because now you can help me. And Jesus said, Wonderful. I'm here to help. How, how can I serve you? How can I help you? Like they say in Spanish, para servirle. How may I help you? He says, oh, praise God. Come on in, Jesus. He took Jesus all the way back to the house and takes him back to these back hallways and tunnels and goes to the laundry room through the garage, and boom, there he is. He's got the little casita. He's got the little room in the back for, for Jesus. He says, Jesus, this is your room. When the devil comes tonight, I want you to get him. And Jesus says, all right, if I see him, I'll get him for you. Next day comes along, boom, 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 there's the knock at the door. The devil's there, and the devil beats the tar out of this man. And he runs over to Jesus when the devil leaves. He says, Jesus, he says, what's going on here? What in the world? You told me you were going to protect me. Jesus said, well, you gave me this little room in the very back of the house. He said, I didn't even hear the devil come knock on your door. He says, well, he came and he beat me up again. He says, tonight, can you please just come out and protect me and fight for me? Jesus says, well, I, if I'm back there, I can't hardly hear. He says, all right, I'll give you a new room in the house. Brings him to the front, gives him the front room right here by the door. He gives him a room. Boom, that night, here comes the devil. He fights and knocks on that door. He's banging on the door. He opens up that door, and this guy just gets the tar beat out of him once again by the devil. And he's crying out, Jesus, where are you? Where are you? And he says, well, you only gave me this little room right here. 
He said, the devil didn't come bother me. He didn't come into where I was. He only went into your place uh, because he knows you were there alone. And so finally the guy catches on. He catches on to his own story, and he says, well, wait a minute. I'm only giving Jesus this, and I'm only giving Jesus that. And God told him, Jesus said, if you give me the, the reign of your life, he says, give me complete control of your home. He says, then I can protect you. He says, wow, that's all I have to do is just give you complete control of all of my house, of everything I have, all of who I am, and you'll protect me? He said, yes. He goes, wow, this is easy. He said, all right. My house is yours. That night, the devil comes to the house. Boom, Jesus opens up that door, and guess who got the butt whooping that night? Well, I'll tell you what, the Holy Ghost prevailed. Glory to God, hallelujah. And that man said, it was that easy? All I had to do was give you all of my life. All I had to do was surrender all of it to you, and you protect me? You know, that's the life that you and I need to live today. We need to stop giving what we want to give to Jesus and start giving everything to Jesus. He says, amen, come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You see, you and I will never, ever, ever make any progress in our walk with God until you and I learn to let him lead the way in our lives. We have to learn to allow him to lead the way. He has to be in the driver's seat of our life for us to be successful. That means he has to be in charge. He leads and we follow. That means when he speaks, we listen. Hallelujah. Amen. He gives the orders and I obey. You see, the person that's in the driver's seat uh, determines where the vehicle is going and how fast that vehicle is going to go. The person who's driving has complete control. I want to ask you today just a couple questions. Have you given Christ the right to lead your life? Have you given him the right Lord, it is your right. You own me. You have me. Everything of me is yours. Have you given that 100% to the Lord today? If you're going through any trials, tribulations, if you're going through things, you can't, you can't judge it or base it on that because we're all going to go through those trials. We're all going to go through tribulations. But have you completely given Christ the right to lead your life? Number two, do you seek his will in every one of your decisions? Do you seek God's will in all of your decisions? Who you're going to date, who you're going to marry, who you're going to go out and, and go out to eat with, uh, who you're going to talk to, who you're going to live with, uh, who you're going to buy a car from, or where you're going to go live. Have you, do you talk to the Lord about those things? Because those things are very important for us uh, to go to God. Do you want his will to be done each day in your life? Do you try and do his will or are you just happy living your will? Sometimes we struggle to rely on the Lord. Sometimes we really let the Lord, we struggle with really letting the Lord be in the driver's seat of our life. Oh, we say it with words. Oh, we mention it. We talk great. We talk big about it where, oh, God is in control of my life. But when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, are we willing to let go and allow God to take over in our lives? Amen? And I think the truth of the matter is sometimes we struggle to really let the Lord in the driver's seat of our lives because we are afraid of what he might ask us to do. We're afraid of what he might ask us to give up. We're afraid of what he might ask us 
Where have you been? What have you done? Why did you do this? You see, we fear that he will lead us into something that we cannot handle. Amen? Listen, it's a scary thing when you're in the hands of God. It's more scary to be in the hands of God than it is to be out of the hands of God. And I'm going to tell you, well, I, I think they're both scary, but, but to be in the hands of God is scary because now you have the map, you have the blueprint of life, you have his word, you know exactly you're getting preached to. you got, you got a good pastor here, and, and, and Pastor Blake and Carla, they're, they're great pastors. They, they lead us, they direct us, they guide us, uh, and, and, and we have all of those things. And when we know right but we don't do right, uh, we're in trouble. Amen? See, but this is a basic principle of the Christian life. Jesus taught us, he taught us to pray this. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? It was a powerful thing. Mark chapter 14, verse 36. In the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, Abba, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. That's surrendering our will to, to God. Saying, Lord, it's not what I want, but it's, Lord, it's what you want for me in my life. See, this was uh, the, the, his divine will. When misguided, Peter begins to seek uh, to turn to Jesus from the divine purpose of dying for the sins of this world. Uh, see, all of a sudden he's upset now. He's like, why are you going to leave? And Jesus rebukes him. He says, Satan, get thee behind me. Can you imagine being rebuked by Jesus himself? And here one of Jesus' best friends is trying to turn Jesus from, from going through this, from the Father's purpose, and something rose up in Jesus. It was fierce, it was powerful, it was uh, passionate, and he said, get behind me, Satan. Some of us need to hear that once in a while. The Christian is one who seeks to do the will of God in all areas of his or her life. That's what being a Christian is. We seek to do God's will. We don't follow the politicians. We don't follow this. We don't follow this. You know, the laws of the land, we're supposed to obey them, and I hope you are obeying the laws of the land. But sometimes we put too much faith, uh, we put too much trust in people instead of godly principles. If you ask me how I vote, I vote by godly principles. I mean, you can put a donkey in the White House. I don't care. We've seen a few of them, amen, there. But I'm telling you something. You can put whoever you want there. I'm voting on godly principles, not on particularly the godly person. How many people do we know in our life that say they're godly, but they're not? We see it all the time. We see it in our own families, our, our parents. Uh, we, we see, hip, you know, being a hypocrite or this and that or whatever the case is. We can sit here all day and judge. But the truth is, is that you will be held accountable for every word, every thought, everything that you do. But God is with us. He's with us to give us strength, to give us power. And I'm telling you something, the Christian is one who seeks to do the will of God in all areas of his or her life. And I would like to ask every single one of you this morning, who is in the driver's seat when you're posting pictures on Facebook? Amen? Who's in the driver's seat? Man, I tell you what, it blows my mind. People I saw in church last week, I, I, see, I see stuff on, on Facebook, and I'm like, wow, is this for real? And, you know, the thing about me is I want to call them. I want to call them right now and talk to them and say, listen, you hypocrite, why are you, you know, and I understand there's compassion. We need to understand that. 
Some people are struggling with things in life, and they just need to understand what, what I'm basically preaching this morning. Amen? That if we take our hands off of our own life uh, and put God's hands on it to control and have reign with us, uh, then things will be a lot better than they are right now. Who's in the driver's seat when you chat on Facebook? Who's, is Jesus really guiding your conversation? In the middle of the night when you're playing those video games, young people. I, I'm not even going to say young people. There's old people in this church that play video games. It blows my mind. These fingers don't work for, I, I don't know how I could control one of those things. I'm telling you the truth. But I'll leave it at that. Is Jesus guiding the thoughts of your life? Amen. It blows my mind how many Christians can sit back and watch a movie with the F-bomb in it. And I'm talking where they're talking degrading and they're belittling one another. And there's, there's nude scenes and all kinds of vulgar conversations in these movies. And Christians are sitting there just eating your popcorn. Eating it up, just living life. Woo, glory to God. How in the world did that give any glory to God? You can ask my wife, if, I, if we're laying there and we hear a, any kind of anything vulgar on TV, we, it vexes us. We don't like it. You hear these uh, tickle talks and people, they just, you know, pop it up and boom, all of a sudden there's cursing going on all over the place. Listen, I got better, I got better things to do with my time. That doesn't mean I never see these things. I, my kids torment me to death. They send me stuff all the time. I get people send me stuff. I think you send me stuff just to torment me. It's working. Because it gets me vexed. You know what I want to see? I want to see everybody live for God. I want to see everybody make it for, for God in the kingdom of God. I want to see you be a champion in God's eyes. I want to see that when God says, okay, I'm going to release my hands, uh, that you're going to do the right thing. You're going to say, I'm going to live for God. As for me and my house, glory to God, we are going to serve the Lord no matter what comes against us. Hallelujah. Is Jesus guiding the direction that you want to go in life? Is Jesus holding the steering wheel of what you are doing with your friends? Is he holding the steering wheel in your, your boyfriend and girlfriend relationship? Amen? You say, well, I've already messed up. I've already gone too far. I got news for you. When we talk about blotting out our sins, God says, I'm going to wash your sins as white as snow. And I love to talk about this because this is what the kingdom of God is all about. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can get right with God. Today is the day that you can say, I'm going to take a new pathway and I'm going to do right. Amen? I tell you what, I, I, I get pretty stirred up over this kind of stuff. Being a Christian is about a lot more than just coming to church on Sunday or Wednesday night. Amen? It's a lot more than that. It's, it, or singing just a few songs and listening to a sermon. And, and, you know, the Christian life is about Christ taking the will of your life uh, and guiding you and directing you uh, in, 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 where he wants you to go, not where you want to go. Not where you've already been. And I want to go back a little bit because it was wonderful. It felt great. I mean, there's, a day, there's not a day of my life that goes by that I am not vexed in my spirit. There was a friend that I had in, 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 in Grand Junction, Colorado. When I lived there, I was in the world for a couple years. And I'm telling you what, I was such a mess, I don't even remember any of it. But I had a friend, and I moved to Phoenix. I was pastoring the church. God transformed my life. He had lived in Phoenix for years. I didn't even know. I found him in Phoenix. And every time I would reach out to him, I wanted to talk to him. 
I wanted to get with him. I wanted to preach to him. I wanted to tell him what God did in my life. You know, this man ran from me. He avoided me. He didn't want to talk to me. And it crushed me. It broke my heart. He, he wanted nothing to do with me. And I was thinking, I tell my wife all the time, I said, I don't know what I did to Chuck, but he does not want anything to do with me. She said, reach out again. Maybe, maybe he just didn't get your message. I would reach out again. And every time I tried to reach out, he was always reject, And it just vexed my spirit because even to this day, I have not had a chance to see him. He doesn't want to see me. And all I want to do, and I have a feeling that he knows that I'm saved. I have a feeling that he knows that I gave my life back to Jesus because he knew where I came from. He knew what I had come from, amen. And he knew, and I think that's what it is, but I don't know. It vexes my spirit to know that I hurt somebody so bad that they don't want anything to do with me. Doesn't that hurt you? To know that maybe you did something, but listen to me, it's more than just coming to church. It's about letting God change your life. It's about letting God reign and have power and authority in your life so that you can be pleasing to God. Amen? Number two, every person must lay your life and will on the altar. Jesus makes it very plain. It's very simple to him. He said the self-life has to die. And if we're going to follow and serve Jesus Christ, that's what has to happen. We have to give up uh, the things that we love. You know, and be, be, all of a sudden, God puts brand new things in your life that you love. There's no greater joy. Have you ever been to a family fun day, a Sunday fun day here at the church? Listen, it's the greatest adventure. It's the greatest time ever. People that don't even know each other, they're talking, they're out in the field playing ball together and just uh, communicating. And, and afterwards, you see these new couples coming into church and they're communicating. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for loving on us. Thank you for just caring. You know, we're all hurting for attention. We're all hurting for, to be accepted. We're all hurting to just be who we are in Jesus Christ. A lot of times, everything in our life, it just consumes us. Because we have our white knuckles on that steering wheel and we're not willing to let go. We're not willing to let God have complete control of us. Hallelujah. And listen, listen to what Jesus goes on to say here. He says, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to follow Christ, if you want to be, uh, want the blessing that Christ promises, he says in Mark chapter 8, verse 35, he says something very simple. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel We'll save it. You see, what in the world does that mean? What in the world? It means that if you insist on living the life that you want, you'll miss out on the life that God wants for you. That's really what it means. It's a very, very simple thing. We have to want what God wants for us. You see, if you insist on the, the husband and the wife that you want, and you don't ask God for his choice, then you'll miss out on what God or who God has for you. I, I mean, it just blows my mind. I mean, I, 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 I cannot live alone. The only way I'd ever live alone now is if my wife backslid. She knows it. I already told her many times. I said, if you backslide, hasta luego, baby. I'm serving the Lord. I'm serving God. I ain't going back to where I came from. Now, I know she'll never backslide because she loves the Lord, and she shows every single day in her life that she's a woman of God. But I'll tell you what, the devil's real. And if you don't keep each other in line with the things of God, listen, the devil can bring you out. He can, he can send you to this place or that place and not even know you're there. And I'm going to serve God from this day to the rest of my life. I'm not going to miss out on what God has for me, amen? 
See, it's talking about laying down your plans, laying down your wishes and your desires and letting God have his way in your life, in every aspect of your life. Amen? I want you to think with me for just a moment what this meant for those disciples. Here these disciples are sitting there. you got Peter and you got Andrew and James and John and all these guys are there. They're left, uh, you know, they're sitting there fishing. These men are fishermen. Fishing in the Sea of Galilee. These men are fishing in places that we've never even imagined uh, that you could fish in. I thought fishing in that Russian Sea or Russian River, whatever that thing's called. What's that, what's that thing called anyways? No, the other name for it. There's a, a Sinai River, is that what they call it? Man, you all ain't helping me this morning. I'll just call it the Russian River. I stood in that Russian River. You ever fished in the Russian River? Let me see if you've ever been to the Russian River. Let me tell you something. That Russian River, to stand in that water, it, I mean, I'm telling you something. You almost have to be anchored down. It will pull you. And I was only two or three feet in. You get to the middle of that place, and I'm telling you what, that thing, and you see these salmon jumping up in the air, and you see the bears out there doing all this. Listen, that ain't for me. These men were fishers. They were fishermen. And I told the servants this morning, when I go fishing, I love to go fishing. You know why? Because it's peaceful. Only thing I hear out there when I'm fishing is me cracking them sunflower seeds open and spitting them out. And you want to know something? When I go fishing, I'm going to tell you a little secret. You ever go fishing with me, you might see it. I don't put a hook on my bait. I don't put a hook on my, on my line. Sometimes I'll leave it, I'll put the weight on there, I'll put the, the what do you call that little bobber thing on there. I, so it sits there and bobs like this, right? And everybody around me, they're screaming, you got one, you got one, I see it moving. I'm like, really? Let me get it in. I know I don't have a hook on it. I'm just fishing because I enjoy it. I'm just casting that line out there, and I'm pulling it in. I can't imagine these men. These men, they fished for a living. These men were involved. Matthew, here he was. He left this lucrative life of, of collecting taxes for the Roman government. These were men of stature. And we don't know all the, the vocations or the job titles that these other men had, but maybe they had their lives all planned out. I'm sure a lot of us do. Maybe they thought they would get married and have a family, make a really good living. But Jesus, listen to this, when Jesus came along, they had to make a decision. And the decisions that they had to make were whether they were going to hang on to the plans that they had for their own lives or if they would just trust that Jesus, oh, he had a plan that was even greater than their plan for their life. See, and a lot of times we don't get to that place where we ask God, Lord, what is it that you have for me? What is your plan for me, God? And what an adventure that must have, that they, they have proved to, to be when they begin following Christ. Can you imagine? It's just like us when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. Man, it's so powerful. It's so wonderful. It's like, wow, this is, there's no other drug on this earth that's like this one. Hallelujah. Amen? Man, you all act like you sleep already. I said, there's no drug like, the, like being high on Jesus. You know, Pastor told the story a couple weeks back where in Costa Rica we had the T-shirt that had the marijuana leaf on it. And inside the marijuana leaf, it had the, the letters J-E-S-U-S. -S. You had to look real close to see it, but you saw it. And the back of the shirt says, there's no high like the most high. Matter of fact, we're going to get that shirt. I'm, I'm going to tell them we need to sell it here at the, at the tape counter. It's an awesome shirt because you know what it does? People walk up to you and say, man, is that a marijuana shirt? You say, well, it's a marijuana leaf, but inside here it says, Jesus, there's no other high like the most high. 
It gives you a conversation piece. It gives you something to talk about. There's an excitement because people are getting saved. Hallelujah. You don't no longer have to ask people. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they say, well, is it okay to smoke grass? Well, you want to smoke grass? Go ahead and smoke grass, but it's not pleasing to God. And I'm not giving you permission to go smoke it. It's not right. We should not smoke it. We should not go out there. We should not be going out and getting drunk. We should not be going out and participating in the things of life. Amen? Here they are. They're talking about laying down your plans and your wishes and your desires. Here's these guys all sitting here talking. We don't know what they all did, but when Jesus came along, they had very, 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 very strong decisions to make in their lives. They had a lot of choices to make. They stood behind or before the highest authorities in the land. They're coming this morning. They're going to start playing. I'm going to finish this sermon, I promise you. And here all of a sudden, their plans did not line up with God's plans. Do you understand what I'm saying to you this morning? You know, you might have had, I'll, I'll take David Tyru for an example. I don't, uh, he's here somewhere probably serving somewhere, but David Tyru, he has a gift to play basketball, but he's here with us today. Pastor just preached on this last week. These guys made a, made a decision to serve God. Brother Dwayne, he's, he's preaching in Dallas today, stepping in for our, one of our pastors that's out of town. These are guys that had an ability. These are guys that had talents, that probably thought they were going to do something else in life. I can imagine Going to a basketball game with David Tyru, knows everybody. Walks in and talks to people. I went down to a gym he was running one time, and sure enough, there was tons of people in there of stature, professional athletes. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, what an amazing atmosphere in this place. But he chose God. He chose the things of God first. I told a story this morning. I'm going to end with this. I promise not to keep her too long playing. Years ago, we were running a very successful business, and God really blessed us. And I know without a doubt that it was all God. It had nothing to do with me. And this has nothing to do with money. But at that time of life, we were, I, I believe I was chasing money. My wife will tell you. I had everything that was nice. I had everything I wanted. I didn't care. It offended me when someone said, oh, he's just a spender. Oh, it ticked me off. But the, the truth hurts. Here I was at the top of my business world thinking I was the greatest thing ever walked. And it was a wonderful life. We lived a great life. And I got one of the biggest opportunities of a contract that I'd ever had in, in, in all the years of business. And, and I accepted it. And boom, I was in there in front of the congressman, the governor, all the city council people. And I signed a contract. It was a lot of millions, okay? And I'm in there, and I'm, I'm working this deal, and I was so happy. My head was so big, I couldn't even get out of the door. And I, they gave me an office. You get an office. There's your office right there next to the post office. And I was happy because I love to watch people in security at the airport. And it was right above the security of all DIA International Airport. I would have been up there so big-headed looking down on people. I'm just the king of the jungle. Oh, this bath I'm going to take in these $100 bills. Oh, it just sounded so wonderful. Oh, it was going to be awesome. And then, three days later, I'm sitting in a Wednesday night church service, four or five days later. 
and the Holy Spirit hits me. Right about where my wife's sitting right now. All the way at the back of the church, leaning up against the pole. Rebellious as all get out. I'll never preach the gospel. I'll never be a pastor. I'll always have my attitude. You know, I didn't say it with words, but that was me. Walked in there, Alan Edmonds shoes, thought I was, I mean, I, just, I, mean, I couldn't hardly even scratch this, the dirt with my shoes. I was so scared to death of dirty something. Pride was eating at my life. Death was at its door, knocking right there, just standing there waiting for me. But God answered, and he spoke to me in a church service. He said, son, I call you into the ministry. I told the story this morning. My wife, I, I, I fell over in my chair, and I was weeping just buckets of tears, and I was weeping so bad. I mean, it was God. You knew it was God. It touched me. She said, what's wrong? She thought I had a heart attack. I said, I just heard God's voice. And in her mind, I know she knew what God had already done. And she said, what did he say to you? I said, well, he called me into the ministry. And I was weeping like a baby. That's something I never wanted to do. This was, this was flesh. I was fighting. And I'm thinking all of a sudden, I'm saying, how can I have this money? How can I have this business, this fame, this fortune, all this contract? How can I have all of these things if I say yes to God? But it wasn't because God didn't care. It wasn't that God didn't love me. It wasn't that God wasn't trying to help me maneuver my vehicle in life. It's that I wouldn't let him have control. But when I said yes to God, boom, everything changed. Everything in our life changed. God helped us. We sold our cars, our houses. We sold all of our property, every business that we had. We sold every, in, in two weeks' time, everything got sold and we were gone. Matter of fact, I even called the government. And I said, listen, I have to decline this contract. And they said, Ex -ex excuse me? I said, I, I have to decline it. I'm. I'm moving. I'm moving away. You're moving away. We just offered you a $5 million contract. You're leaving? You're walking away from this? I said, yes, I'm going to preach the gospel. They couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. But I know that I took my hands off of the wheel. Even though those hands of mine were white-knuckled to that steering wheel, holding on for dear life like some of you are today, you're holding on for dear life, and you don't know which way God wants you to go. But if you'll let go, if you'll let go. Now, I'm not telling you to go out there and drive on this highway and let go of your steering wheel. I'm telling you in your life, let go and let God have control. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed this morning in reverence to God. You know, I tell this story this morning. It's not to brag about money because I didn't see a dime of that money. I didn't see a dime of it, nor do I ever look back and wonder where it went. Because I'm so grateful for what God did in my life. It was the beginning chapter of the book, the story of my life. You know, God didn't bring up the sins that I lived before. He didn't bring up my failures and all my, my past torment, everything that affected me as a young person in life. God started a brand new work in me at that very moment of my life. God says, I'm not going to send you to the Purdue University. He says, I'm going to send you to the school of hard knocks. 
and I was crazy enough to accept it. And I'm so thankful and grateful for that opportunity. And I'm here today. Oh, believe me, it's not easy. Serving God is going to bring bruises and headaches and torment. Listen, you're going to have to stand up to people that you love. You're going to have to stand up to some things in your own life that you love so much. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I like to light the candles and just have a little glass. Let me tell you something. It's not worth it. Oh, pastor, it's not going to send me to hell. Well, if it does, I can't help you. But I told you the truth. There's too many people in this place that know the facts. One glass turns into two. Two turns into a bottle. Bottle turns into a case. A case turns into a barrel. Before you know it, you can't even see straight. And God is just saying all along the way, just release your hands. Let me have control of your life. You're in this place today. You're watching online. You say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I'm away from the Lord. I'm a sinner today. If that's you, I want you just to lift your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to condemn you. I don't want to embarrass you in any way. I want you to acknowledge that you're lost with Jesus Christ himself. If that's you today, just put your hand up and put it right back down. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. How many all over this place? I need Jesus today. If that's you, just put your hand up. I need a miracle in my life. I need God to help me with everything that I'm going through. Praise God. Let's all stand up to our feet if we would this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Most important thing in our lives is our eternal soul. Where are you going if you were to die today? If you're to make, are you going to make heaven your home? If something happened to you today, God forbid anything happened, but, but would you make heaven your home? You see, sometimes we don't realize, but us not giving control to God, we're saying to God, I could do this my own way. And we see it. There's many different walks and lifestyles here. Many people are doing different things, and some are closer to God. Some are, some are farther away. But listen to me. It's a very simple recipe this morning. And that recipe is to put God first. It's to open up your life and say, God, I've tried it my way. I'm the first one to stand here and tell you, I've tried it my way. It doesn't work. I've tried to be a husband my way. I've tried to be a father my way. I've tried to be a godly man my way. I've tried to be an example my way. It doesn't work. Oh, you better believe it. I had lots of workers. I had 27 employees at one time, and I'm going to tell you something. Even them, they robbed me. Oh, you think it's all great? It's all wonderful. Oh, man, it's awesome. Yes, it's great. You're working so hard, you don't even know what's happening underneath your, behind your back. The devil's real. He'll get you one way or the other if you do not stand on God's word. If you do not stand and trust the Lord with everything that you are, everything that you have to surrender to God and say, Lord, I need you. Listen, we're all sinners. It's easy for every one of us to walk out of these doors today and go fall into the world. It's an easy thing to do. But it's a lot harder to say, you know what, I'm resisting that. I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put myself in danger like that. I'm going to serve God. Matter of fact, I'm going to get around some people that can encourage me. That's what it's all about. Amen. Let's come down to this altar this morning. Let's get down here and let's be like-minded. Let's worship the Lord. Let's pray. Let's ask God to deal with us. Let's ask God, Lord, take my hands, Lord, off of this steering wheel. Actually, God says, you take your hands off the steering wheel, and I'll put my hands on your steering wheel. 
Let's worship God. Let's sing out this morning. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com. Thanks again for listening.